0: Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Two Robbie's podcast. I'm Robbie Musto and I'm joined by my usual sparring partner Robbie Earl. But that's not all. Today we are joined by a very special guest in Parag Marate. That's right, Musty. We fans of NFL might be familiar with
1: Parag because he's the Executive Vice President of Football Operations for the San Francisco 49ers as well as President of the 49ers Enterprises. And I also believe chairman of USA Cricket, that I want to get involved in as well, but not only that, uh, Prague is vice chairman of Leeds United.
2: Dietz Watson's been
0: making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never
2: cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but
0: you can taste the difference.
2: Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Thank you for, uh, for joining us. Uh, welcome to the pod. First, tell us, how did you become involved in 49ers? Leeds United and cricket seems like an odd mix.
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me guys. I appreciate it. Um, I think it starts at the core that I'm a lifelong, uh, co- uh fan of competition and sports. You know, I grew up, uh, I mean, just devouring anything and anything, anything and everything about sports, uh, around me. And, you know, I, I played baseball and soccer as we called it and, and, uh, and basketball growing up, uh, and just loved everything. And, and, and you know, soon into my professional career uh, with the 49ers as we were trying to sort of professionalize and modernize the 49ers and build a stadium and build a grower organization. Uh, it was it was around that time that I realized, well, wait a second, there is a blueprint uh, that really can apply across sport. It's not necessarily, at least the everything off the pitch uh, mm. is very exportable. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do Uh, in terms of it still comes down to media rights and ticket sales and hospitality and sponsorship and and PR and building the right organization around supporting the players and the coaches. And that it could be – it doesn't matter what sport it is. It could be widget ball. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so that's where I realized, well, wait a second. Let's build something bigger beyond just the 49ers and let's go into places that could use our assistance and use our expertise – um, and the two, obviously, that, uh, that came to mind that we can have, kind of add the most value, one was Leeds United and the other was uh, building, building a professional cricket league here in the U.S.
0: Now, you know, we're very familiar with Leeds United. We both played against Leeds many times and we absolutely understand mm-hmm. why you pick Leeds United and why yeah. many other investors, we've talked about it. Wow, Leeds United should have been picked up years ago, given how big it is. Um, right. How have you found Leeds United? And explain to some of our listeners and viewers, you know, uh, what makes Leeds United a special club? <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, it starts with the fact that it is the, the energy, uh, the kinetic energy in the air is palpable the moment you get off the train in Leeds uh, <laughs> and you step foot in the city because it mm. is just a city that, um, that loves their team. And loves their club. And it's very different. And I talk, I've, I've talked a lot about it with, with comparing the 49ers to Leeds. And and I'll do that more in detail in a second. But what I want to share now is that uh, the people love people at the Bay Area love the 49ers. And the 49ers are their people are diehard 49ers fans. What is different to me, and particularly in the Premier League, but especially with Leeds, is that Leeds is like somebody's little brother or little sister. Mm-hmm. Um, It is part of each family member. It is a family member in each family within the city. Uh, What I mean is you love to love them. You love to hate them, but no matter what you protect them at all costs Uh, and, and that you feel wherever you go. Um, And that's something that is just, it's just different for me even than other Premier League clubs. And, uh, you know, certainly many of them and, and, the thing that really attracted me in particular starting maybe seven, eight years ago was that Leeds to me felt like the 49ers circa 15 years ago. The 49ers had won many Super Bowls in the eighties and the nineties. Um, you know, in some ways we had fallen on hard times and that our performance on the pitch had fallen off. We at the time were playing in the oldest stadium in the NFL uh, and we just needed a revitalization. We needed more expertise. We needed modernization of the club. And we did that. Uh, we transformed the club over the past 15 years to now, You know, we play in a new stadium, and we've certainly we've improved our performance on the field as well. That's what I saw in Leeds. It had all of the great bones because Mm -hmm. you saw in the '70s and '80s they were one of the best clubs in all of Europe. You know, Leeds Man U was one of the best was was one of the matches to watch, Uh, Mm -hmm. and there's movies made about them. And like that, they had those great bones. Unfortunately, they fell across hard times and and actually multiple ownership groups. Uh, And so nobody really got them back up. But that kinetic energy was always swirling about the city and swirling about Ellen Road. It just took the right place, the right time, the right ownership group uh, and the right vision to bring this club back to where they belong. And you see it now. Sure, we are we're very happy with how we perform so far, being a mid table club. But beyond that, we're picked by Sky Sports to be on primetime Mm. as much as Liverpool and Man City and Man United. Mm. You know that tells you something about um, that. That when I go back to people, either love to love Leeds or love to hate Leeds because they're a family member. Uh, it's the same. It's by the same token. There's many opposing club fans that if you ask mm-hmm. them who their least favorite club is, it's probably Leeds, right? <laughs> but the, there's a benefit to that. There's a benefit yeah. to that being a fan of or an owner of Leeds United is because it makes your club more popular, more talked mm-hmm. about.
1: It's interesting to say that, prog, There's a couple of instances I remember when we I played at, at Elm my Wimbledon team with a crazy gang. We went up there uh, a couple occasions and won, and won games, and the Leeds fans uh, applauded us off. And that's yeah. not, you don't get that in too many. Like they appreciate the, the, what we've done and that we've come and won. And, and I think that was what made Leeds special in why, you know, Robbie Muss and I yeah. talked about it, the, the Premier League will be better for Leeds in there. Obviously, that's the quality of leading. In January, the 49ers purchased the largest share of, of ownership in Leeds. increasing your ownership now to 37%. Mm-hmm. What does the bigger role mean for you and for, for, for Leeds moving forward now?
3: You know, I could the best way I could describe it is to talk about just sort of how our, our um, ownership and how our involvement has matriculated over time. Um, I actually first did a deal seven years ago three ownership groups to grow as a consulting arrangement uh, where we were going to help give them advice uh, on things. Fortunately for me, that one never materialized because those were some owners that actually were probably not the best for the club. Uh, then in 2018, when, when I got to know Andrea Radrizani, uh first would start as a friendship and then, and then more of a professional relationship. It was really about just dipping our toes in the water uh, because by no means are we the experts. We're still not the experts, uh, but but we were just trying to learn the business. We were trying to learn how the Premier league works. We're trying certainly for me, my, my expertise, I grew up in the business of negotiating player contracts and managing a salary cap and and doing all of those negotiations with players, but I knew nothing about the transfer market Mm -hmm. and and how Mm -hmm. all that works. So just, just learning. Um, And so fast forward two and a half years to our January investment. Now it's a little bit more where more intricately involved in all of the decisions, both on and off the pitch, where, we are still by no means the experts and we are still um, not ultimately, you know, it's still Andrea and Victor and Angus and Coach Bielsa's show. Uh, but now in every decision we have, uh, we can lend a voice. Uh, mm-hmm. And in some of those, you know, our voices maybe carry more uh, credibility because we've been there and done that. Um, and so we're just much, much more involved. I think you'll see when COVID ends, uh, we'll be there a lot more frequently. I'm actually coming out mm-hmm. next month uh, next month for two weeks uh, to spend some quality. I had not been there. Normally I'm there every other month and I haven't been there in a year now. And so you'll start to, not just me, but you'll start to see many of our executives at the 49ers as we sort of, um, you know, start to interact more frequently with our counterparts and just, just dive in more and help grow the club.
0: Just, just a little more. it's interesting that, I mean, just a little bit more detail on that Parag and, and your relationship with the United Majority owner Andrea Rajani. Um, How are you going to divide the responsibilities and the workload at the club now?
3: You know, I think it is still um, we are all for one, one for all on everything that we're doing, because, uh, yes, it is fantastic that we got up to the Premier League. But now the next step is to uh, to show that we belong and play with. I think you've seen this season already. We played with a certain confidence and flair that we show that we belong. um, And now it's to show that we could do it consistently and sustainably. Uh, and so i think it is more around uh, helping in every place that we can i think uh, particularly on the football side that's my background here with the 49ers so i'm able to help with how we look at uh, how we look at budgeting for transfers inbounds and outbounds how we can maybe uh, look at managing contracts a little bit more uh, a little bit more constructively and how we do that uh, but then in particular the area that we've helped is we just We just revitalized the 49ers business, like I said, when we built Levi Stadium. So there's a lot that we're looking at today right now, whether it be around hospitality or stadium expansion and how we can modernize Ellen Road uh, and maybe, you know, get a little bit more out of the turnip, if you will. Um, And that's that's a lot of area of our focus right now is on the business side.
0: Just a quick follow up, Rob, if you don't mind, just mm. just on that side of it, because because we remember Leeds United when they when they went for it financially with all these players, they they totally won over. David a- w- O'Leary won. W-
1: won it. David O'Leary, w- David w- w- is
0: manager, yeah. and, they, and they, I mean, it's great seeing them in European, uh, great European. Fun, yeah. So, yeah. So, your responsibility with these contracts yeah. and budgeting, wow, probably that that's so important, as as I'm sure you know, but particularly mm-hmm. with with English clubs, we've seen the owners go in there and, and yeah, and spend a ton of money and and, and Put the whole club in jeopardy. That's mm-hmm. a big responsibility you have then with the with the budget.
3: Yeah, you know it's that's why sometimes you have to be more measured and judicious with how you str- with, with with how you set this up. It may not be what all the fans want to hear because maybe yeah, all yeah. the fans want you to yeah. go all in on everything. But we're trying to build a club that lasts, not a flash in the pan, right? Yeah. We're trying to build a club that two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. Uh, when every new season starts, people are talking about us for Europe or the Champions League, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and to be able to get there, it's a path um, that has to be more measured and judicious in, in how we get there. Mm. You don't want to be just, you know, all in, in in a hurry. Now, to be fair, we spent a whole lot of money uh, in this in the transfer window right before we got in, you know, among among the highest of any club over the last several years. Uh, But again, I would argue that was a little bit more measured in what we were trying to do because we wanted to, we wanted to show that we belonged and, and, and you could see some of the results so far. I mean, you know, take Mm. someone like Rafinha, that's worked out marvelously. Mm. Uh, And so, uh, but, but you do want to be more measured uh, with how you Mm. set up because you just, you have to be, I think another thing, which is at least different for us relative to what I've seen with some of my American counterparts uh, is You have to care. You have to actually be into this. You can't just view this as an asset uh, like you do a piece uh, like a piece of real estate uh, or a stock that you purchase or a piece of art uh, that you go buy at an art auction at Sotheby's. This is uh, you have to actually know about it and you have to care about it. Um, And and that's something that we, we have a lot of passion about this. Like we at the 49ers, we have a little WhatsApp group. Every every leads match. And even though some are some are at four in the morning or five in the morning our time and we are going back and forth celebrating (laughs) great passes and and goals and commiserating when uh, when they go against us. And so it's just it's just who we are. Uh, We wouldn't want to do it if we didn't care about it. And so that actually um, matters as well. It's not we're not it's not some dispassionate piece of art that we put on our mantle in our penthouse in the Upper East Side. Uh, This (laughs) is much more about something that we really care about.
1: Just taking things to the pitch a little bit, because I always got the sense with Leeds having finally got in the Premier League, it wasn't about being 17th, just staying in. It almost looked to me like they came and wanted to show who they were and, and the personality. I mean, toe-to-toe with Man City, just one goal de- lost to Liverpool, two of the best teams in the league. Yeah. So with that in mind, what is what does success look like for this season for Leeds and, and what you expecting over the next couple of years? What's the
3: progression? Uh I think we've proven it this season and it's not because of where we're going to finish in the table, wherever that's going to be. I think it's because of the mentality. I think it's because of the confidence that we, that has grown in the players and the coaching, uh, in the coaching staff with the front office, with all the lead supporters, a confidence that, that we belong, a confidence that we can go into any match, whether it is, whether it is with Man City or with Sheffield United, uh, and that we feel like we have a fighting chance um, to, to, to win that fixture. I think that, uh, we've established that and it's, it's just been phenomenal, um, to be able to feel like, you know, look, like I was saying earlier, we have a murderer's row coming up in the next three matches. (laughs) Um, and, and, but you know what? I feel like we have a fighting chance. Uh, and that's Mm -hmm. exciting because that's something that, you know, is established over the course of the first 30 matches that we played. Um, and so I think that that's really important going forward, going forward, it's around continuing that, Um, sort of confidence and mentality, and then starting to slowly matriculate up the table where, you know what, we should be able to compete for Europa. We should be able to compete for uh, the Champions League. There's no reason why we shouldn't. We, As you guys said, we're certainly a big enough club to be able to do it. Um, And it's a club that we want to be a destination, not a train stop. What I mean is we want it to be a place where Uh, when players come to Leeds, they view it as the final destination. They view it as the pinnacle of their respective careers, not just one stop to increase their value and then go on to another club. We want it to be everybody's destination.
0: Hmm. So we've played in the Premier League for many years. We've watched it and now we've analysed it for many years, Parag. And I I think I can safely say, I'm not sure we've seen a manager like Marcelo Bielsa. Now, I'm aware of him from his previous work. I used to work on La Liga and watched his marvellous work at... uh, Bill Bow, athletic Bill Bow. Yeah, what kind of? How many interactions have you had with him, Parag? Do you get close to him? If you spoke to him, what sort of personality is that? Maybe we don't see through his interviews and on the on the sideline. He looks pretty crazy to me. What's he really like <laughs> when you get to know him? So
3: I've I've had limited interactions with him. You know, maybe five or six or seven times, um, and it's been all pleasant and great. But there is something. There is a certain amount of uh, confidence. Uh, that just oozes out of his aura. Uh, And he is one of those individuals who, and there's not many in the world, but he's one of those individuals who you spend a little bit of time with him. You just know that whatever it is he's going to do and that he wants to do, he's either going to succeed or he's going to die trying. (laughs) Um, And there's just, there's, there's just nothing else. There's no other, it's binary. Um, And, uh, and he lives his life with that mentality, a maniacal focus on one thing and results and winning uh, and that is and everything he does and everything in every way he carries his life on and off the pitch is around does it help me win or does it hurt my ability to win uh, and that and that permeates the rest of the building it permeates the player's mentality and psyche uh, it just it is infectious uh, and I think that's probably his greatest attribute.
4: Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.
1: I think fans looking in, Parad, would, would wonder how the, the 49ers and the ownership group and, and the coaching staff at Leeds, how that works together in terms of recruitment, in terms of finding players. How does it work with Andrea, with Marcelo, with uh, director of football, Victor Aura? you know, someone like Rafinha, do they go and find, go and look at him, go and do the background then come and talk to you about it. What's that relationship Yeah,
3: about? yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, honestly, Robbie, it's more you know, Coach Bielsa and, and Victor are, are the ones leading the charge on the football side and looking at mm-hmm. uh, with recruitment, uh, and then they'll present their cases and make and, and you know do a pitch to us to Andrea and myself <clears throat> around you know the the who, what, why, and how much, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and we'll go through we'll go through those. And obviously, you know, I do this. I do this in my day job with the 49ers oh. and, looking at, and looking at trade-offs. It's all around, uh, you know, how do you get maximum value for the most moderate cost? Yeah. Uh, and,
1: you is know, there similarities and, in the two sports? Yes, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah, Certainly, because, again, you know, we all have a tendency to maybe overcomplicate or over-romanticize uh, mm-hmm. the sports that we're in. But at the end of the day, it's not all that complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what you're trying to do – and this is, I like guess, one obvious similarity is – you know, you don't want to just go sign ten center halves uh, or or five left backs. Like you're trying to build a portfolio uh, mm. of a club of a squad uh, that collectively maximizes return and minimizes risk and cost. Right? Uh, that's what you're trying to do. And so that might include uh, you know two forwards and 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 two and two center halves as opposed to something different. Whereas mm-hmm. say with us, you know, if we have a certain quarterback. We might want a different type of receivers and offensive line where if we were going to go with quarterback B, Mm -hmm. you know, a a different set of wide receivers would actually complement this team better. That's all you're trying to do. You're trying to build Mm -hmm. a squad as one unit, not a collection of individual players.
0: Yeah, just to follow up on that, Mara Praga, I did read a little bit about, you know, your background and stuff and and data Mm -hmm. analytics and performance analytics. Is technology... Coming into to football um, recruitment more and more as I'm reading bits from different clubs, are you bringing that into Leeds United?
3: Yeah, I would say that it's in many ways Leeds is – all the club is already really uh, sophisticated in that respect in, in what they're using and how they're using data. I think there's different ways that that we have been able to and will be able to help visualize the data and maybe make it uh, make it more useful and practical. You know, But there's certainly things like work rate – um, and uh, things like that that have already uh, been, you know, a fairly common factor within the Premier League uh, right. in terms of use rate and how you manage people's and players' minutes and things like that. Um, it's something that we do here in the NFL and certainly American sports do. Uh, but yes, there's definitely there's definitely things. There's also, you know, actuarial analysis that you can do, looking at uh, the the age and prior health of players. Uh, and look at, you know, sort of when they would plateau or when they would continue to grow, depending on what position they play. Uh, that's something that's very common that, that I do here with the 49ers that uh, that hopefully we'll be able to employ in the near future at, at, at Leeds.
1: Just moving to the fans, Parag, and obviously they've come up in the Premier League and what, the year with the pandemic, not being able to watch their, their great Leeds United team at Allen Road. Have you got anything special planned for when they do come back and, and how much are you looking forward to having the fans back in, in the stadium? Something special planned? Yeah, I'm going to be
3: there for the first match. West, <laughs> Brom, West Brom on May 23rd, we're going to get 10,000 fans there, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll be there. And I can't wait because there is a certain magic in the air when you step into a 100-year-old grounds that is Ellen, Ellen Road. Uh, and it's pretty spectacular. And I'll tell you what, I'm pretty sure that it'll be almost as loud as when we have 37,000 <laughs> fans there.
0: How does it differ, Parag? Like, how does a, a general atmosphere and supporter an NFL differ differ to a Premier League fan? And how's the atmosphere different in the stadiums?
3: So the fanhood is still the intensity is is still the the peak of the intensity is still the same. Uh, it's and that's what I love about professional sports. But uh, with the way American football is set up, with with plays and then forty second play clocks and breaks in between, it's like this. Uh, Whereas at a, at, at a football match, at a Premier League match, uh, or even when we're in the championship, it is always up here. Uh, and, and, and very little downtime. And certainly, like, you can't even, you know, go and, and, and certainly not forget about check your phone, but, like, you can't even go to the restroom uh, because you might miss something so, uh, so captivating and so important. And so uh, it is like you are literally on the edge of your seat the whole time. Whereas American sports are a little bit different. It ebbs and flows um, a, little bit, a little bit more. Uh, and so it feels like it is just two hours or, you know, 90 minutes of pure intensity uh, every time that uh, that we catch a, a Leeds match.
0: Just on Ellen Road, Parag, any plans on developing it? We know that the plan is yeah. to grow revenues, of course, matchday revenue is a big part of, of club's uh, financial model. It's a brilliant, brilliant stadium. I mean, I hate it, actually, because I got relegated there in 1997. <laughs> it's one of the worst days of my career, Allen Road. I'll never forget it. Yeah. But any, any plans to make it bigger for more for more people? Yeah,
3: I think uh, Angus has talked about it a little bit. Uh, Angus Kinnear, our, our chief executive, and it's more around modernizing Ellen Road and expanding it. You know, I think if you see some of the top clubs, the upper echelon clubs in the Premier League, they've got 50,000 plus uh, capacity you know in yeah. some cases 80,000 and we're at 37 and change and so the goal is to get it up above 50,000 that is our bread and butter at least yeah. uh you know my team's bread butter at the 49ers are what we know how to do uh so we'll help there there's probably there's certain things we could do around hospitality as well and maybe adding some more premium opportunities within Allen Road but what you don't want to take away um what you don't want to take away is the intimidation factor. Uh, when you guys came into Ellen Road, it is an in, it is a menacing place to play. Mm. You know, the fans are on top of you. Uh, <laughs> it is built up. The fans are on top of you. It is loud, and it is menacing. And you don't want to – we certainly do not want to sterilize it, yeah. uh, you know, where we take that away. It's, we want to enhance it, but we don't want to sterilize it. Just taking away from,
1: from the actual sport for a moment, we, we celebrated at Women's History Month uh, at NBC – Our very own uh, Rebecca Lowe got a chance to interview an incredible member of the Leeds United staff, Olivia Smart, who was a defender for Leeds United's women's team and an NHS nurse who vaccinated the the first people at Ellen Road. Can you just share us a little bit about Olivia Smart? I mean, we saw the interview after and I said, wow, beyond Marcelo Bielsa, that's the most impressive person Leeds United I have ever seen. I mean, another level in terms of what she's doing.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, everything she's doing on and off the pitch is just so remarkable. I think the be- the word that comes to mind when I think about her, uh, which kind of embodies, like I said, everything that leads about it, she's just passionate, right? Mm-hmm. She's passionate about her sport and she's passionate about what she does. And and uh, you know, seeing right there, seeing her right there, and uh, on the fr- I haven't had the chance to meet her yet, uh, but seeing her right there on the front lines, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being on the front lines of COVID vaccination and. And yet at the same time, you know, being such a quality player, um, it's just she's just passionate and she just cares. And she cares about her city. She cares about her club mm-hmm. um, and she cares about her community. Uh, and it is she is the quintessential Leeds United uh, <laughs> fan, supporter, player, person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it, there is something special in the air uh, when you step in the leads. And, and she's just the quintessential example of that.
0: Uh, and the 49ers have had some remarkable women, women leading the way as well, in former assistant coach Katie Sowers, personal analyst Sally Clavell, and chief administrative officer, general counsel, Hannah Gordon. How important has yeah. it been for you to find talented women for possibilities and positions in leadership? Uh,
3: you know what? It is because it has been such a. The professional sports has been so slow to accept, uh, honestly, people of color like myself. and and And. Um, women, it has actually given me and our organization a little bit of a competitive advantage, I feel like, because uh, we can now fish in ponds that other people don't fish in. And so if you're not going to spend time looking at Hannah Gordon, for example, who I found her, she was at the NFL League office and she was was doing a tremendous job. Um, And, you know, when I hired her, I don't even know that maybe 10, 12 years ago now, um, she was just tremendous from day one. Um, and yet she didn't have the opportunities that maybe, uh, you know, her male counterparts had. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but honestly the more people that pay attention to just the quality and, of, uh, and the merit of one's work, as opposed to what they look like, uh, the better off you'll be, or the sooner you'll have a competitive advantage. I'm fortunate in that, uh, you know, my, uh, our owners, uh, the York family gave me a chance. You know, I certainly don't look the part of an NFL executive. I, 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 uh, I didn't play college or, or or professionally in the NFL. I don't have a dad, a father who played college or professionally in the NFL. And so I have no business 20 years ago getting into the sport. In fact, it probably took me about 10 years before I really earned some credibility and respect in the league uh, for someone who knows American football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, I feel like that gave us a competitive advantage as well, uh, because we went out and found the best people we could find. And it didn't matter what they looked like. Uh, we were just going to try to build people who could help, uh, hire people who could help us. Just
1: following on from that, for uh, Parad, then how important is it the message that you're sending out to young girls, to females, people maybe in college who want to get into sport, NFL, soccer, cricket, that you've got people, you've got women in very influential positions within your organization?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's we want to hire based on the merits and talents and your capability, not by what you look like. Uh, And we honestly feel like maybe not. We know not everybody is doing it that way. And so it gives us a competitive advantage. I mean, you know, our our main owner is Denise DeBartolo York, you know, and so it stems down from her. We we started an internship and, you know, in her name on always looking to hire a female intern. Um, that was 15 years ago, um, and it's and it's it's grown from there. And you know, I always I'm always looking to pay it forward in some ways. And you know, I realized that I was a beneficiary of a you know fortuitous uh, turn of events that allowed me to get hired and allowed mm-hmm. uh, allowed the Forty ers to give me a chance. And so I'm always looking to pay it forward and uh, give somebody who maybe otherwise wouldn't be getting a look and. Uh, a look for a job, whether it's in the NFL and the Premier League or in cricket, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. give that person a chance. And so, you know, one thing that is important to me is, you know, it doesn't matter how many I I receive, but I always look to respond to every email, uh, to every inbound email I get that even is a cold <laughs> call email, because I want to give someone a chance that maybe mm-hmm. that, that I know that I was given that chance. And and so I want to do the same for mm-hmm. others.
0: Talking of pe- giving people chances, we know it's an extremely busy time for you now with uh, the 49ers with the the, uh, NFL draft coming up. What are you looking forward to in in the the upcoming draft and the new season?
3: Well, you know, I'm going to answer this vaguely. Uh, So I'm looking for – I'm excited to improve our team. I'm excited to pick (laughs) players that are going to help us improve our team. I think
0: um, – Come on, give us some more than that. (laughs) Uh, To be
3: more specific, uh, last year was such a challenge. We were – the one of the most injured teams in the history of the NFL uh, with how many injuries that we had to withstand the COVID season uh, was a particular challenge for us because we had to go relocate the team for five and a half weeks to another state, to another state in Arizona. It was just a challenge uh, for us. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get back to a healthy season with fans. Uh, And, you know, in many ways we brought back much of the team and we have a, you know, I feel like a very competitive quality team. So I'm excited to see uh, how we perform this season.
1: The pandemic, you talked about COVID has been tough on on everybody around the world. As as a leader in two organizations, obviously Leeds United in the 49ers, how's it changed the way you worked? What have you learned about yourself and your organizations during this time?
3: Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I think one is that uh, you don't Uh, you don't always need to be everywhere together uh, to be able Mm -hmm. to accomplish something. Um, I think it's probably actually helped everyone uh, manage their own careers, manage their own work streams a little bit better. Mm.
2: uh,
3: And then, and then uh, be able to, to collaborate when you need to. So I think that's one thing uh, that has, has definitely everybody's learned from. I think people have learned to be a little bit more, uh, self-starting, uh, you know, be taking even players and coaches to take a little bit yeah. more initiative on their mm-hmm. own. I think, uh, you know, if people have gotten to the point where you just okay, let me just let me just go through the motions and attend a meeting, a player meeting, because I have to and see what the game plan is for this week. Well, when you're not able to do it that way, you have to you have to do it on Zoom in your own hotel room or your own uh, mm-hmm. dorm room, whatever it might be. It's the onus is the initiative is a little bit more on you. Uh, to take ownership of your own uh, ability to learn the plays and learn this and learn the scheme mm. uh, to go out and deliver. So I think that's probably helped everybody just a little bit in terms of everybody taking a little bit more personal initiative.
1: Rob, so just let me follow up before you go to the last question. So just on this one, just in terms of football clubs, and I'm interested in the Premier League, huge clubs, multi-million, some billion-dollar in industry. But Do you feel maybe the pandemic's make people think about the way they run their business and, and maybe be a little bit more efficient with, 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 with cash and not throw it around in the way that we did before, huge transfers, big agents' fees, money going here, there, and everywhere.
3: Hmm. I'm probably going to give you an answer that you don't expect, but I don't think so. I actually wow. think the hunger, <laughs> the hunger uh, to, to come back and mm. to, to compete because competition brings out uh, competitiveness – brings out a certain element of the human psyche uh, that is very addictive and so when we've, we've been away from it and we haven't mm. had fans and the moment everyone steps back in to their respective stadiums and have all the fans there and feel that energy and if you're not a good club at that time performing well and you're an owner you want to do everything you can to get <laughs> that back uh, in the same way in the same way that you know people ask sometimes do you think that people have found a new way to live? Uh, and so the maybe uh viewership of professional sports is going to be a little bit down because now people like to go hiking and bike riding mm. and swimming and i don't buy that for a second i think sports is going to come roaring back uh beyond uh, to beyond pre-pandemic levels uh and i think the hunger to compete is going to come back in the same way as well so actually i think it's going to be mm. a little more intense and more that's a, that's a great
0: answer mm. and- I guess I guess listen Prague has been wonderful it's been very yeah. interesting and thanks very much for your time I guess the last question really is is if you have a, a message for the fans of the two teams the 49ers and Leeds United uh, looking into the future
3: yeah you know I think the main message is that um, we are going to do everything we can to put the best the, the, the best product on the field and to compete at the highest level um, and and we're doing it because not just because we're owners of these respective clubs but it's because we care. You know, we are essentially fans of these clubs first, uh, and and in many ways, we are just stewards uh, of the fa- of of the fans because this is really the community's clubs. And so, we're fans first, and we're doing everything we can because we care. Um, and you know, we're just we're trying our hardest to to, to help us compete at the highest level.
1: Brilliant! Thank, Thank you Thanks, bro. Thanks for your time. Yeah. This Good luck the rest guys. of the season, both teams. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks. it. Good luck, Thank
3: you, guys.